Please be seated. Well, good morning all. I feel like a sermon doesn't need to be preached after that gospel reading. It's uh, pretty much done now. We can all go home. Uh, Powerful words. Um, But this morning we are actually uh, finishing our series on 1 Corinthians. That's right, we made it. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back. We have reached the end of our 1 Corinthians series. It might have felt like it's been going all year, and you know what? It has. So congratulations, you made it through. We've come to the end. Uh, Over this series, we have talked about a lot of things, a lot of different things over this series. We've talked about the problems in the Corinthian church. We've talked about grace and what that means to us. And we've talked about resurrection. We've talked quite a lot about resurrection and what that means. All of these things are very important for us to think upon as Christians because just like the Corinthian church, we are very flawed individuals. We need grace Most of all, we do need resurrection. We need resurrection from our old self to our new self. We need resurrection as a hope for the future. For, as Stuart mentioned a few weeks ago, without the resurrection, there is no hope. And our theme for this year is seek first and find hope. I titled my message this morning, Victory, uh, which I think is at... If you were here last week, you would have heard uh, Tom speaking, and he did say at the end of his message, you might have heard, he said he might steal the thunder of the next preacher who came, and he talked about how he he was going to uh, use one of the verses that I'm speaking on this week, and he did. He chose the best verse that I get to speak on this morning. There is victory for us as Christians, and we will talk a little bit about that. There is great victory for us as Christians. Uh, last time I spoke to you, which was a couple of weeks ago, I spoke, spoke specifically on resurrection and me, or resurrection and you. What does that mean to us as Christians? What does resurrection mean? I focused on how this works in our everyday lives, and I talked about having optimism, hope for the future. Now, Stuart and I are both very conscious, having preached most of this series between us, that the resurrection is a hard thing to understand. Not necessarily as a complete topic. We get it, okay? Uh, rising from the grave is something that you can understand. But believing it will happen in our own lives or believing the resurrection can be a difficult thing. It's not easy. Faith is not always easy. The truth is, to believe in the resurrection requires a step of faith. And often, This is needed in all of Jesus' teachings. The disciples experienced this, in fact, when Jesus first taught on communion, when he taught on his body and his blood. Now, for us, this is considered something that we do every single week in church. We talk about the body and the blood, and we take it. But the first time the disciples heard, this was their response. They went, this is a hard teaching, Jesus. This is really difficult. I don't know if I can handle that. I'm supposed to eat your body and your blood? Yikes. Sounded like cannibalism to them. The teachings of Jesus and the teaching on the resurrection can also be hard for us. So on hearing some of the things that we've discussed this series, take it to heart. If it is hard, God's grace is sufficient for all of us. 
He will help us as we continue to trust him and believe him as we can. For many of the things of God are mysterious, and we know this. Some things are revealed to us, but much is mysterious. Not that they cannot be solved or won't be solved, but they need to be sought out to be understood. Just like with perhaps a good crime mystery, there are details that are very, very important. Now, in recent years, there's been a huge resurgence in this guy. Massive resurgence. And I'm sure Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote about the character Sherlock Holmes, would be very pleased. Uh, now, small poll. I do like a bit of crowd engagement. Forgive me, this is my former being a history teacher coming out. Who's seen Sherlock? Good, yeah, okay, there's a couple of you in the room, that's all right. Now, Sherlock is known, whether or not you know him uh, from the new series or not, he is known for deducing the facts. Deduction is his skill, in fact. Finding answers from details that others might miss. Now, in today's reading, Paul gives us something special. He provides us with specific details about the resurrection, the future resurrection, when Jesus returns. What will happen to us? There's some details there. We won't get the full picture. It is a bit of a mystery. But he reveals some of these details. Fortunately, we don't have to be Sherlock to figure it out. It's pretty plain for us what he says. He says this, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. There's some details there, some very specific things about what will happen. Now, one of those details is that not humanity, all of humanity will have died. It says, we will not all sleep. Some of us will be alive when Jesus returns. He says it will happen in a flash. It's going to be quick. The time is also appointed, it says here. The last trumpet will sound. And the inference is that this means that other trumpets have sounded before it. If there is a last one, there must be ones before it. There is a timing to Jesus' return. This is a detail. We don't know the day or the hour, Scripture tells us, but it will happen. The resurrection is placed in time. Jesus' return is placed in time. The dead will be raised, it tells us. Resurrection will happen. And of course, most importantly, we will be changed. Well, how will we be changed? And Paul, once again, he gives us these details. He says to us that for this perishable body must put on imperishability. Big words. And this mortal body must put on immortality. All those aches and pains are going to be gone, people. New bodies. Yes. Uh, recently, last year, I had some knee surgery. I don't know, many in the room can feel my pain. Still a bit twingy. It's been about six months now. Can't wait until I get those new knees. It's going to be awesome. We will be remade. This mortal flesh will put on immortality, we are told. Last time I spoke, I told people I was going to get a bit loud during my sermon. So I'm giving you warning again. A little bit of warning. Uh, this time I'm going to do something a little bit different, though. I have, I have props, a little bit of theatrics. Everyone likes a little bit of theatrics, right? I'm sure you do. 
see if I can put these things on. Oh, here we go. Right. Uh, uh. Does anyone like boxing? No, no, I don't. Are there a couple? Oh, there you go. I'm, I'm not necessarily a big fan, but you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, try my best right now. We're going to see what we can do. I think I bought these gloves uh, 10 years ago and used them once. So, you know, very impressive. Oh, hit myself. Okay. You know what's going to be tricky is that I'm going to put these gloves on and then I'm not going to be able to press my button. Um, but it's going to be worth it, I'm telling you now. So, Tom said last week that there would be one very important thing that would happen. One very, very important thing that would happen at the resurrection. And it's this. Now, if you want, you can get up and dance with me. I know there's some, there's some people in the room who'd like to get in the ring, I can tell you, just for that. They groove about you. That'll do us both. What will happen at that time? The greatest victory of all time will be complete. Jesus triumphed over sin and death at the cross. But at resurrection, the final blow is complete. Imperishability comes to the fore. Immortality comes to the fore. The victory that we hope for as Christians, that we believe will happen, will finally be complete. Eternity in its fullness will come. We will have the hope that we long for. This is the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. This is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is why we seek first, because we will find hope. It's a powerful thing. And you know, Paul gets very excited at this point. He says, when this perishable, perishable body puts on imperishability, when it puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Swallowed up in victory. Finally, death and sin will be no more. And at this point, this is probably my favorite part. You're going to have to excuse me. I'm trying to take these off now. It's tricky. This is the part that Tom stole. I am blaming him for it. It's okay. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Paul mocks death here. He says to it, it will be no more. No longer will it have its reign over you, over me. He explains that the sting of death will be lost. Now, I know this is a very real thing for many of us. It's a very difficult thing. Death is a painful thing. Grief is hard. It is a challenge. But at that time, death will be defeated. It will be no more. We will be raised. We will be raised. And all who believe will be raised. The final victory. On Thursday night this week, we had our Thursday evening service, and should you ever wish to join us on Thursday nights, you're most welcome. There's my little plug. I give one almost every time I preach. But I, I shared this video um, that I'm going to play for you now. Um, and it's got a song involved in the video here, a song written by a gentleman named Horatio Spafford in the 19th century. It's called It Is Well, if you know the song.
The story of Horatio Spafford is a powerful one. Horatio was a lawyer in Chicago uh, in the 1870s. And he, uh, he was very prominent. He was a very well-known Christian man. He decided his family was going to go to England for a holiday. Uh, he couldn't go because he, he had some business dealings, so he was going to follow later. So his, his wife and his four children jumped on a boat to head to England. On the way there, the boat sank. Over 200 people died. Four of those were his daughters. His wife survived. And when she got to the other side, when she got to England, she sent a telegram back saying, saved alone. Horatio wrote this song as a result. The song says, it is well with my soul. And it echoes the truth that in the deepest, darkest places, when we face grief, when we face death, we can know that our hope is sure. It is well. One day there will be a victory. And I initially wasn't going to show this video this morning, but I was encouraged strongly by people on our Thursday service that we should watch it together this morning. I pray it will be a comfort for you, especially if you have lost loved ones. It is well with my soul.
death will be swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? We will be able to sing that one day. We learn in the rest of the verses this morning that the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory in Jesus Christ. Now, this is Christianity 101, but it's very important for us to grasp this morning. We are all sinners, and sin has held us captive to death. Death has been possible, dare I say, or precipitated by sin itself. But death holds no fear for humanity once resurrection comes. No fear for you. Because it was empowered to do what it had to do by the law. So sin took advantage of the law of God. Now, this is the law that was written down, the law that we saw in the Torah, in the Old Testament. God said what was right and what was wrong. And so, as a result, sin had a definition. Wrong had a definition. Sin took advantage of what God made to be good. This is often the case. What was made to be good was used for evil. Now, this might sound very complicated and it is a bit of the depth of theology that we face. But in a nutshell, these verses are telling us that Jesus has overcome sin. Victory is ours through Jesus Christ. And a miraculous day is coming when, thanks to the resurrection of Jesus, we will cast off this earthly shell of sin. Death will be conquered forever. We will rise to new life in Jesus Christ. And Paul finishes with this verse, giving us some good, solid advice in our time left. He says, Therefore, my beloved, therefore, Rabina Anglican, this morning, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. When I was thinking about this verse this week, a picture immediately appeared to me. Uh, And I don't know if you've seen a, a picture like this before, but it was a picture of a lighthouse in a sea facing the storms. And I think this is what our lives are like, or should be like as Christians. A lighthouse near the sea has a strong foundation. It doesn't matter what is thrown against those, those walls, it will stand up against the challenge. Paul is saying we should be like this lighthouse. It takes diligence to establish strong foundations like this, though, to apply ourselves to learning and to trusting God and his ways. We need to, as our gospel reading told us this morning, have our faith grounded in the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And I often harp about this when I preach, but so be it. We should be reading this every day. Every single day of our lives, we should be reading this. The words of Jesus. Our lives should be on the foundation and the rock of the teachings of Jesus Christ. We should know them like the back of our hand. One of the things I think that the, uh, the Old Testament got right, and I think the Jews got right, is that they, they knew their book. They knew it. At a young age, they knew it. And I think we as Christians need to know our book. If the Bible is not a part of your everyday life, then I challenge you this morning that it needs to be. And if you don't study it, then you need to find people to study it with. Or find a Bible study for yourself. Maybe this Lenten study is for you, is the chance to dig deep again, to go into Scripture. 
In all honesty, this is at the heart of our theme this year. We need to seek first before we find hope. We need to go to the Bible. Paul also encourages us to work enthusiastically for the Lord. Well, this is a, another translation to the one we read this morning. The one we read this morning tells us that we, are, we need to excel in the work. But I like enthusiastically. I think it says what, what we want it to say. Enthusiastically for the Lord. Whatever God has done and has you to do for Him, what your work is for Him, you need to do it enthusiastically. Stuart has mentioned before that the saying, or one of the sayings we have as a pastoral staff is, church is everyone's job. Now, let me be clear, I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to get everyone up in a line and go, what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing? That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm talking about is loving and caring for those in our community. That's everyone's job, being a real community with those in our church. God might be asking you to do other things as well, to take up care in other capacities, to help with hospitality, to run a Bible study, to help with children's ministry in our 930 service, something. But I believe the most important thing you can do is care and love for those around you, right here in this service, in our church. I know that Bowen and Stuart and I are all very fallible people. Sorry to let everyone know that. Stuart's not so much. He's, he's better than the rest of us. But I've let the cat out of the bag there. Uh, we cannot look after and care for everybody. It's impossible, especially in a growing church like ours. Uh, and even with the help of our incredible retired clergy and our school clergy that are regularly here, we can't do this. And to be a church known for its relationships, which is our little mission cat cry, everyone in our church will need to serve the Lord in ways that they are called to do so. Work for the Lord enthusiastically. We have some great things in our future. Not just as a church, but in resurrection, in victory. It's coming. The time will come. Hopefully we can sing it as well now. And if we're not at that point yet, and hopefully we can be, but there is great things coming. Victory over sin and death in the name of Jesus. But in the meantime, we all have work to do for Jesus. We all have work to do. And we should do this enthusiastically for the Lord with Jesus as our immovable foundation to serve him. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for our series on 1 Corinthians. Thank you for our time together. Lord, would you help the words that are of me this morning not be heard and the words that are of you be heard only. God, would you, by your spirit, help us to serve you and love you and find hope in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.